Welcome to The Guardian, a law enforcement podcast aimed to educate citizens about law enforcement practices. I'm your co-host, Felicia Morris. Our guest today is Senator Bart Williams. Senator Williams graduated Mississippi State University in 1989 with a degree in industrial technology and began his career as an industrial engineer in 1989. In 1993, he started his business out of his house, and after five years, he left his engineering career to run his company, Security Solutions and Communications, full-time. Security Solutions is currently in its 30th year. Congratulations. Thank you. The company has been serving North Mississippi since 1993, and Williams was elected to and began serving in the Mississippi Senate in October 2020. Thank you for joining us today, Senator. My pleasure to be here. It's truly an honor. Thank you. Thank, thank you definitely for being here. Senator Williams, uh, there's no doubt that you guys serve with Security Solutions as a strategic ally in Starfoss. We're building uh, our real-time intelligence center. We work on a public-private partnership. One of the, uh, there's multiple reasons why we ask you to be a guest on today. First of all, uh, obviously your position, uh, you grew up around the security, home security um, industry. And I was recently on uh, Jim Ellis' talk show, phenomenal uh, advocate and and uh, bringing up issues. And Mr. Ellis asked, what can residents do for their home security? And I gave a litany of, of answers there, but one of them was about embracing technology, investing, taking the time to invest in their home security systems. And, you know, for our listeners out here in The Guardian, what are some things they need to do when they're evaluating uh, thinking about a home security system if they don't have one, and how can they improve on those systems if they do have them? I think that's a very good question. I think the number one thing people need to do is a home security system, technology changes so fast. I mean, we've been doing this for 30 years, and the evolution of the home security system has just gone through the roof with what we can do with technology today. I think they should seek out you know, qualified companies to come in and talk to them, a qualified company should come in and do a site assessment and basically talk to them about things in their house they can do, not just the electronics that they can do, but how can they deter crime? I mean, from good deadbolt locks to uh, making sure the hedges are pruned, you know, high fences. These are things that could attract or detract the criminal element and incorporating the technology in that's paramount. The last, I don't know, five years, cameras is what's really come on. Technology has evolved at such a point that we're now, it's very cost effective for consumers in their that's home. Right to have cameras, the, the doorbell cameras, the thing that, you know, the ring doorbell, um, alarm.com doorbell that we do, they're just in sundry of products out there and then cameras around the house to complement it. It allows people to get a push notification on their phone that something's going on and they know in real time what's going on in their home. So that's just a great relief. The technology that's there allows them to know what's going on. And then coupled with uh, partnerships with our law enforcement allows them to help by using their technology to solve crimes. No doubt. And and I think that our Starfield Connect program has been very effective. I think a lot of Absolutely. a lot of law enforcement agencies are doing this. And this is the modern day neighborhood watch. Everyone's got a cell phone. And uh, by registering your camera, I say this all the time, we don't want to know what you look like in your bathroom. We don't have access to the cameras. But if you had an event to occur and by having your camera registry, you're letting your local law enforcement know for those that have the program uh, that you have a camera on your street. It saves what's called video canvassing time, whereas detectives are trying to go and knock on doors, find people when they're at work, when they're at school, when they're visiting hospitals, wherever they might be. Uh, it saves valuable time in canvassing the area to where by that camera registry, they're able to circle a certain street or neighborhood. All these cameras up here, we push out information on, on, on an email. They get it through their smartphone or whatever 
address they left for us, and they get home, they're able to say, hey, there was a burglary down the street, and uh, able to provide that necessary information. So that is a byproduct of the home security systems, but the home security systems themselves, um, I think that it's almost intimidating um, because there are so many out there. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, Amazon across the deal. Uh, I, for one, wouldn't have a clue of how to uh, set up. That's why I got rely on specialists for the setup. Uh, so starting out, you mentioned companies are able to provide, uh, a good company can provide, a, I guess, a threat assessment? Yes. And the first step is just reaching out to a security company. How do they ensure that they're not getting uh, uh, ripped off or that you'll come in with a cost effectiveness or what they're looking to spend monthly, if, if that's... Yeah, I think that's a very good question because we live in such a moment of commercialization. Right. Everybody's selling everything and they've got the best mousetrap. Vetting it. By that, number one, talk to people you know and trust that may or may not have those products and services. If they do, who do you use? You know, we use social media to get references. We know people personally to get references. Number one, we would do that. Of course, you've got the old marquees. You've got the Better Business Bureau. You've got different things to see. Uh, companies, find a company that's been around a while that's built a good reputation. And again, don't take their word for it. Vet that with some people that you know and see if they've done what they say. You know, it, it, it's we're a service industry. We sell products, but but I think our strength is in our service. When you need us, we need to be there. And find people that have used use us as an example to say, well, when I need these guys, are they there? Does it take them two days to call back? Do you get a robocall? You know, I mean, do you get um, a live person? I think these are paramount. Technology and security, everybody wants to be secure and everybody wants to be as cost effective as possible. But the moment you need that security and it's real, it's someone really breaking in your home, you want the absolute best. So it's marrying that technology with the best price. And, and that local provider, in my opinion, is where I think that comes together. Excellent. Well, Felicia, and, and going forward with this conversation, you mentioned you have a doorbell system. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I say this all the time to everybody I meet. I'm like, I love my cameras. <laughs> I love my cameras. It, it just adds that extra I, like blanket of safety. And it, it comforts me to know that I can go on my phone and I can just, oh, like what, what's going on right now? And it'll tell me different things. It'll tell me, oh, there's motion or there's a person. And I can kind of gauge what's going on based just off of that. Um, but I mean, I've, I've already had so many situations where it was extremely, extremely was beneficial to have a camera. And I already registered mine with Circle Police Department. So, um, and you know, it's, it's one of those things where I, I think that it doesn't hurt to have them. It only makes it better because you can kind of gauge your safety of not only yourself and your home, but also your neighbors and and, you know, the kids who are waiting for the school bus down the street and sort of stuff like that, it helps in neighborhoods in general. What was the cost of that, of curiosity, or just the minimal cost of just a simple doorbell system? What did, what did I, I got what was called the second generation one. Um, so they have different generations. I'm sure you know this. Um, and they have different generations, which is basically, you know, the, the newest generation is going to be most likely the most expensive one. Um, I have the second one, so mine was about $100 for my first one, and then you can add on, get different things after that, and it all kind of connects to the same first one that you buy. And mine, I went through Ring, so. Excellent. Very, yeah. very common yeah. out there. Pretty, yeah. yeah, definitely. Uh, Center, we talk about the different types. Cellular, uh, you got internet-based, and you got kind of a standalone systems. Can you kind of go over the pros and cons for 
listeners that are interested in advancing in home security systems? Yeah, absolutely. I think that if you look at the systems, the best one out there is one that's going to be IP-based. We're using, we've got fast internet everywhere. You know, we put it everywhere across the state. And when you want to get these push notifications, you're referring to when someone's there and there's movement or activity and you want to know something's going on, pushing that out through an IP or through a, through a fiber connection is the best way to do that. Sailor is there. We recommend a dual communication product so you've got a backup if, if fiber were to go down or something. We've got the fiber that's there. You know, if, if a, a perpetrator were to cut the wire into your house, you know, the sailor's a backup that's there. So we definitely recommend that to be there. The standalone is really kind of become a thing of the past in the sense that you'll know you got broken into when you got home. You know, right. you don't know it in real time. We live in such a moment that we've got so much information. We want everything real time. This time of year, uh, some of us guys uh, and some ladies, uh, we got these trail cameras out. Right. We're looking at the four-legged guys <laughs> and what's happening there. So we're just in that moment of immediacy with it. Our product kind of marries up. And you talk about first, second generation with it. We install the products, and as the software and the technology improves, we can push that out to that hardware. The hardware is going to last for quite a few years, so we can upgrade really on a biweekly basis. We see some enhancements and improvements. Our product sits out there for a while to kind of the video analytics, kind of learn the situation. If there's traffic times that are common, it'll assess that. If there are animals that come and go, it'll assess that. Where <clears throat> over a few weeks you'll start getting fewer push notifications of what we'd call falses. Mm -hmm. So you'll get notifications of humans that are coming at abnormal times. And this is something, not necessarily in the security world, that moves over into elder parents. Right. Where you've got things, um, I, I've had elder parents, and we've been able to use technology to give us a peace of mind when they're at home. And maybe we're on that path mm -hmm. of going to a sitter and don't need one, but it, it helps us kind of transition that and remain uh, allow these people to remain independent sure. and go forward. So, So there's a lot of, Benefits. I know that's not security per se, but it's, it's peace of mind that they. It's a peace of mind. You're you're right. When you're on the road, when you do get a chance of a break of a senior parent, uh, to be able to go in and check and understand they're there. And you know, a little bit of change. Package delivery. We get a lot of package delivery complaints, thefts. I mean, we've got criminals that follow behind some of the UPS trucks as you're going into Christmas season. This camera system has sure. been very important to show. And sometimes, you know, the drivers themselves might mess up. Uh, wrong delivery, you know. And you have you have things that were like my situation where it was the people who own the apartment complex or their maintenance or whatever coming at times like six in the morning when the front office doesn't open until eight, you know. And it's stuff like that that it might it might be nothing, but I would like to know that that is happening if I'm away at my internship or my class or work or something like that. I would like to know that somebody is here at six a.m., you know. And it it helps everybody. And you mentioned um, elderlies. And that's something that I didn't even think about. And it's honestly like a very, very great point. Another thing, we had spoken about this before filming, that you you made a quote, Chief, that I thought was very on very, very um, on par for what exactly it's used for and what it, it, it's needed for. But you said cameras develop leads for faster apprehensions. And I think that that is like a very, it, it makes sense because when you do have situations it's harder to, okay, well, what did he look like, da-da-da-da-da, and get a description when now, I mean, there's so many cameras out in neighborhoods and everything you can just look and see. That's our guy right there. So, yeah. yeah. I, I think that's a, a very good point, and there are, obviously, most of us in office, we consider ourselves physical conservatives, so we try to watch the budgets and everything. You've got detectives, and you've got so many man hours, and you sure. want to be as efficient and productive with those man hours. And we can take a detective or a couple of detectives and knock on doors and try to get eyewitnesses and spend, I don't know, 50, 60 man it's hours. Expensive quick. Or pop out an email. 
get 15 people that are on the system to come back now that, that 20 hours of legwork literally becomes maybe an hour of office work to collaborate, <clears throat> to, to consolidate that information. I think that's just a tremendous tool as we go forward and trying to use things as intelligently and efficiently, I should say, as we can. And, and to speak back to that, you know, um, we sell a lot of camera systems in Startwell, uh, residential and commercially. It's completely voluntary and it's completely, that person will send the email to you, they'll send that video footage to you. It's not that when something happens, you're looking in on their footage and, I, and, and that awareness sometimes isn't there when we talk to them. We talk to these people daily. Sure. And making sure they know, look, it's on you. If you don't want to send it, it's your privilege not to send it. But right. everybody likes to be part of it. I've taken a lot of satisfaction in 30 years I've done this. While I'm not a certified police officer, we help solve crimes. That's right. And then there's a lot of self-satisfaction in saying that. There are people that have, we've prevented crimes. We've prevented hardships. I think we've prevented murders, break-ins, all those things by the technology that we put in our systems. And, and I think that's a great satisfaction that we all can be part of, not only you know, security systems for so many years protected the person and the property that was theirs. But now it's more of a community event that we're collectively involved in doing. And that's just a tremendous feeling. Um, and, and technology evolving to that point is great. No doubt. We've embraced technology from the very beginning of this administration. We've carried forward with it. Looking back now, I have no idea of how we were solving crime uh, without the cameras because we you become dependent on it real quick. Like Felicia, like you said, I mean, it's extremely fast. Uh, the pressure's there. Uh, you've got to make the apprehension. You've got to be accurate. And cameras, uh, for our listeners out there, uh, just a reminder, uh, cameras don't get emotional. They're not biased. They report what they see, uh, whereas a victim is going to focus on the gun, uh, focus on how, well, give me a description of that. Very hard to do when you have a gun in your face, right? Um, a, a camera can pull up things about the suspect vehicle that you're going to miss, uh, I mentioned this earlier where, you know, we had uh, a vehicle involved in an armed robbery in Kroger parking lot several, several months ago, over a year ago now. And the individual um, <clears throat> was, uh, we had a person come out of the crowd, gave a very strong lead. The person she named in that had an armed robbery history, had been out on, was actually out on parole for armed robbery, lived in the western part of the community. Uh, guess what? Drove the exact same vehicle that was described, right? So, hey, those are called strong leads, right? You're following up on them. Uh, but one thing's the camera called that witnesses didn't. One had a luggage rack, one didn't. And the camera called it. And because of our analytics on that, right? So cameras catch things that we under adrenaline do not catch. Um, and I, I think that as we start to talk about numbers and the research for this, um, but you you still have a lot of people that are very concerned about the the you know cameras and and Big Brother and that's a discussion that we'll probably transition and talk over. But when you talk about there's eight billion people in the world according to our numbers, half live in the metropolitan areas, half of the world's population live in metropolitan. In the United States, I was throwing off of this, eighty three percent of the United States residents live in some type of urban environment. That number is going to increase by eighty nine percent by twenty fifty. By 2050, 89% live in an urban environment. I think it's important for our listeners to know this is a, we're not talking about communities where a cousin lives down the street, you're across the street from your brother, right? These are transitional communities where mm, people aren't going to be there long. They move in, they move out, they float, they go where the jobs are, uh, they go to certain cities, certain retirement communities, whatever. And 
the abilities of local law enforcement to be off based off of some Mayberry format is no longer going to be applicable when these communities come stronger and, and connected and as that population increase. The ability to identify, the ability to identify accurately to where a grand jury, a jury can look and see what you see is the technology is going to be through cameras. So our reliance in a public-private partnership, I mentioned earlier, you guys are strategic allies. Our, our reliance on private partnerships are going to be there from a public safety standpoint. This isn't going to go away. And as, as, uh, and as people grasp with high crimes everywhere, you're still going to have to identify and hold accountable. And, and cameras enable us to do that. Absolutely. There's no question about it. And, and the public-private relationships are the most successful. I think as government officials, I as an elected official, you, we're public servants, and that's our job is to serve the, per, serve the public. And I look at my predominant responsibility as a senator as public safety. That yes. carries a lot of different hats. We've got to legislate the proper things that ensure public safety. Another thing I think that's part of the equation is that people, the good Lord made us to be connectional. And by doing this, and you're talking about more of a, a transient societies who go forward in urban environments, a little bit more of that. A lot of us that are from the from the South, we're, we're used to slow and we're used to tea on the front porch and hopefully those things won't go away. But becoming connectional, if we can do it, I think it enhances our quality of life. Using technology is a vehicle to which we can do that on a lot of levels. Today, we're talking about security and helping solve crimes, which is great, phenomenal. But, but having the connectional piece through technology, it just can enhance life on a lot of levels, I think. No doubt. No doubt. You spoke a little bit earlier about like kind of the cycle, the psychological part of it when it comes to different crimes and that kind of thing. People are not going to remember every single thing. You have people who have photographic memories and they could tell you exactly what they were wearing, how they were dressed, what the shape of their beard or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, then you have those other people where, I mean, there's three different ones. There's the freeze, light, and the flight. And if you're, I mean, there's no, that's a human reaction is to freeze sometimes. It's not like, you know, nothing to be ashamed about, but sometimes you just freeze and it, your mind goes on autopilot. Yeah. And so that's another thing that I, I, I thought was very good to bring up was the, the psychological part of it too, is that cameras don't have feelings. They don't have that psychological part of like, oh, well, did they catch it? Did they not? They're either going to catch it or they're not. They're either in that angle at the right time and the right place or they're not. Yeah. And they can disprove as well. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of, uh, not a lot, but sometimes you get a false crime. You get a false yeah. allegation that's out there. It sounds like your description a moment ago. You've indicated a person because he didn't or did have a luggage rack. That's right. The last thing we want is to put away an innocent person. So, yes, no doubt. And technology, there again, helps us uh, probably accrue help with that situation. Yeah, we, ha we have to embrace those public-private partnerships and moving forward. In our discussion, uh, you serve in a, a key role uh, on the technology committee. A uh, little bigger picture stuff here that we're talking about. Uh, Felicia, you had an incident that we were talking about earlier on uh, Fierce County, and it kind of goes into uh, what we'll be talking about with uh, infrastructure. So tell us about what you were talking about with Pierce County. Yeah, so um, back in Washington State in December 25th of 2022, Pierce County Christmas Day had an attack where four Pierce County utility substations had been compromised. And what had happened was two Pierce County men were charged with conspiracy to damage energy facilities and it left more than 14,000 people without power. Um, and it was about four different ones, four different towers that had been 
compromised. Right. Um, the damage to the Tacoma Power substations alone were estimated to be at at least $3 million. Repairing a single damaged transformer could take up to 36 months, and all four substations were run by the same company, which was Pudget Sound Energy. And so uh, it was very interesting because it was one of those things where, I mean, they went in and it was all in an effort to hide a robbery from a store. Right. And, it, and that it's <laughs> there's a lot of effort that you went through to to open a cash register. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. And and the reason why that came up, we were talking about in embracing technology, Mississippi, uh, thanks to your leadership, the committee's leadership, all the all the legislatures at the state, is one of six that really adopted uh, the blue program for drones. And for our listeners, that means um, to have some high standards for drones to be utilized for the state and federal level, uh, meaning in the United States, non-Chinese parts, uh, because China has a tendency to really flood the market with cheap stuff, but they're not security proven. Uh, we don't know what information is going back. Uh, we've already dealt with weather balloons uh uh, supposedly, you know, going over military sites. There's there's a lot of problems there when we deal with China as a partner uh, because uh, it, they've been very aggressive. Uh, and with that, Mississippi took the lead. I guess what my question was in the discussion going back with Felicia and uh, infrastructure with electricity, we're talking about physical tools of cameras. While we've done a good job with drones, while we've taken the lead and saying, hey, if you want to work with the federal government or state government at this level, you're going to meet this qualification. What about the cameras that protect our oil pipelines? We're dealing right now with threats to the United States that really, on all infrastructure, threats to the United States that are very real, Hamas, Hezbollah. Um, we're talking about, you know, trying to prevent Chinese intervention. Physical tools of camera systems were private industries that are critical to our day-to-day -day operations. Next time you go fuel up, that's a private industry that's able to go in there and, and make those oil prices down low, right? How are we, are we, is there any intentions of regulating the physical tools of camera systems on those private industries? If not, why not? What's your take on that from your position and where you are? Well, as, as a small business owner, you know, I'm, I'm I guess not a pro-regulation guy. I think there are times that we need to regulate, we need oversight, we need statutes and to codify things. Um, the federal government did pass NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, which basically outlaws Chinese parts and things. Right. Fortunately, our company, um, the Chinese cameras are kind of flooding the markets about, um, I came about 15 years ago until about a couple of years ago when the federal government did this. We never had that in the products that we, we install. Uh, a lot of them are made in Korea, some in Taiwan. Um, that's a first step, I think, because we're buying from the enemy, quite yes. simply. I mean, they've got back doors on these things. It's doing things to what extent, we don't know, but we know they're not in good faith. So so that's a starting point, I think, and I believe the federal government state will not allow systems to put in that don't meet that approval. So that's, that's a beginning point. To go back to where we've got the large players in our country, the grid, that's one of the biggest vulnerabilities that we have. Water supplies, that's another place that's just, especially in the city, you go to outside Atlanta, you got your water supply, you could contaminate that, kill millions of people. I believe education and awareness is the starting point, and that's a collaborative thing with industry. I think that if they will self-invest in this, regulation wouldn't be needed. There may be, it may need to come alongside it in some cases, but 
I think y'all have done a great example here in Starwell. A lot of things that are being done with implementation of camera systems publicly, privately, the collaboration effort without any legislation or any ordinances that are being done. I don't know that regulation won't be required at some point to push that with our critical uh, resources. You know, right. DOD, we, we do some DOD work, and that's a very vetted thing to do. And where we've got manufacturing and things going on with DOD, the standard is just way up here with what you've got to do security-wise, um, camera-wise, access control-wise, you know, physical security, all those things have to be there. So the standards are there in place there to do work for our government at a certain level. And I think private industry will come along with that. If nothing else, the economics will show it's worth investing in the infrastructure uh, of defense, of uh, physical defense through technology to protect. Yeah. If not, then it all it's going to take is the neighbor get hit, and then we're going to see a rush. From- Millions of dollars right here if somebody's trying to steal a few thousand or something. I mean, that's uh, whereas there again, the cameras we've talked about from a personal residential position for a few hundred dollars. Obviously, commercially in that type, it's not a few hundred dollars. Sure. But the same technology carries over and even more because typically the way technology happens, uh, the military is using something we'll be using in five years. Yeah. You know, and as it pulls down, what we're using today was probably used military five years ago. I, I don't know the timelines, but as that development happens, we as consumers will get get it, you know, law enforcement consumers and down. So I think that you've got that and it comes down. Obviously, the, the R&D piece is a very expensive piece, but when we get to the consumer point, it's very uh, mass producible. And affordable. I appreciate that. So market driven, it makes sense if you're if you are controlling one of these, if you're a private industry owner in a critical infrastructure element market makes sense invest in the right technologies to be able to, to protect because it doesn't take much yeah we used to call that capitalism <laughs> <laughs> we still do I hope. no doubt but i mean it's got to be a discussion out there as we face so many threats um and and again uh you mentioned educational platform we couldn't Absolutely. do what we did in starpool without the business community i would be very clear they understood that economic development and public safety go hand in hand it is something that we've been very um strong about they get that they see the bigger picture and that's how we were able to advance in protecting our our students our businesses and really try to advance that we've got a long way to go but we've came a long way too you sure have y'all y'all do an impeccable job the the foundational piece in any environment is public safety without that nothing else happens you got to have infrastructure you got to have education you got to have health care these are things that people look for but the golden triangle startwell in particular i mean these metrics are being hit, but the foundational piece is public safety. And it starts with you guys, and y'all have done a phenomenal job because I think that speaks for itself. We're, we're, a lot of things are happening good in Sartwell, Mississippi, and their surrounding areas. We want to keep them happening that way. But without public safety, you let that start to erode, everything else crumbles. No doubt. And with the threats that are out there uh, beyond just a normal criminal element, again, um, lone wolf act, actors that are out there, I think that you touched on it, education. When you mentioned the word big brother, there's so much miseducation that's out there. That's why we have to have these discussions on the podcast. I know it'll energize people. Uh, they'll get involved. Everybody's got an opinion on it. But listen, at the end of the day, you, you, you can't argue that the cameras are effective tools or producing fast leads. So when you have, you got to admit there's evil in the world. And when it starts operating, there's there's few entities that are going to be out there to, to apprehend. That's probably going to be government. And public safety, some type of law enforcement, and they're going to need a lead. And those leads are going to be generated off cameras. It's been that way from the time cameras have been um, invented. It's not going to stop. It's going to grow in its need. And so that's why I really appreciate you coming on and let's talking about not only what people can do for their home security from 
for the network there, but to recognize security solutions as a strategic ally and then to think big picture when we run against the headwinds of big brother discussions um, that are out there. Uh, so, Senator, what would you like to, um, you know, as we kind of wind it down, what would you like to say in closing to our listeners? Well, kind of reiterating what you said, that the, the fear of big brother is something that uh, is a valid fear that people have. I think somewhat misplaced because of lack of knowledge and education. Serving on the Technology Committee, now being in the Senate for three years, fear is the greatest culprit we have with embracing technology. I'm a technology guy. I think that's obvious. I do embrace technology. We need to do it cautiously as we go forward, but it's the world we live in. Mm. Uh, technology from a standpoint, autonomous vehicles is something that's it's on the horizon that's coming. AI, artificial intelligence, it's right there in front of us, and it's fear to embrace it. People think it will change our way of life. It will enhance our way of life. If you've, as we've illustrated with cameras in this in this podcast, they've done that. So, constantly having that communication between the people that that do have that fear of Big Brother or that fear of government overstepping. We are the people. We work and serve the people collectively, and we want to hear from the people and do what our bosses want us to do. And continuing to do that, have that conversation, I think is the critical thing that we need to continue to do because. By having that fear, it causes us to pause and not embrace. And it's very simple. Since the beginning of time, there have been good people and bad people. Mm -hmm. And there has been technology since fire started. We've got to stay one, stay one step ahead because the bad guys, they're using this technology too. They'll use it. They'll embrace it. And they're smart and they're efficient and they're, and they're implementing it. We've just got to stay ahead of them with it. And for us to not do it, to put our head in the sand and not embrace it, it puts us behind. And I think communities that aren't doing that are having more of a crime problem. No doubt. Senator Williams, well said. Thank you very much for being on our podcast for The Guardian and uh, look forward to having you back on other discussions. Yes, sir. It has been an honor, Chief, and thank you for all that you and your team do for Starwell. Absolutely. Thank you.